Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Praise the Lord. In your Bibles this evening, I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to begin on Sunday morning a series on redemption. I love teaching on it, and I think you're going to enjoy it. But this, during these Wednesday night services, we, we've kind of concluded our teaching on faith for now. We never quit teaching on faith. We're always teaching on it. But I want us to address some spiritual issues, some spiritual things. Because if you're not careful, just through the, how can I say it, through the everyday routine of life, you can drift in and out of your spirituality to the point that your drifting out can affect you more than your drifting in. Can I say that again? You can drift in and out of your spirituality to the point that your uh, drifting uh, out affects you more than your drifting in. Well, when that happens, you're not moving forward, you're moving backward. And the problem is the enemy's a rat. The Bible says, beware of the wiles of the devil. And that literally speaks about traps that are set. And the enemy loves to trap people because in trapping people, it's not so much that he's able to destroy because if you look that scripture up, and uh, it talks about it in Ephesians chapter 6, beware of the wiles of the devil. You look at that word traps in the Greek. It's not really referring to a trap that when it snaps, it kills something. It's actually referring to a trap that when it, when it, when it sprung, it holds you. Well, back, back then, you know, they didn't have refrigeration. They didn't have, you know, GPSs. They didn't have game cameras and all that kind of stuff they could do where they could trap things and know something was in the trap and go out and get it immediately. Many times they waited, you know, several days to go check their traps and whatever was caught in the trap was still alive and they dispatched it then. Well, that's exactly what the enemy wants to do. He wants to hold you till he can destroy you. That's why your progress always needs to be forward. Let me say that again. Your progress always needs to be forward. And I'm going to tell you something. Your forward progress in the Spirit is not dependent upon your church, not dependent upon your pastor. It's dependent upon you. You need to make the decision. I'm going to be moving forward in the Spirit. I don't care who isn't or who is. I'm going to be moving forward in the Spirit. Because God wants you to know that we just studied, uh, studied faith for I don't know how many weeks. Faith works best on offense. Too many, too many people, they're only familiarity. How do you say that word? Right, just like. With faith is on the defense or for recovery. Amen? You say, well, I, I use my faith to recover. Well, you know, faith will work. Sure, it works for recovery. If it didn't work for recovery, I mean, none of us would probably be here. But in reality, it works best on offense where you're not recovering something, you're possessing something. And that's what God wants you to do is to possess things. Amen. Now, here in Ephesians 4, let's read this and then we'll look at a couple of scriptures. Ephesians chapter 4, look at verse, let's just start in verse, uh, start in verse 11 there. He says, and he gave uh, some, not all, but some, apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Now, notice this. Why did, why did he give that, those ministry gifts? For the perfecting of the saints... For the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come, everybody say, till we all come, into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect, actually a better word for the word perfect is a mature, unto a mature man, 
unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now notice verse 14. This is really good. That henceforth, that, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and the cunning craftiness whereby they lay in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up, everybody say grow up, into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Now, a person that is born again, the only part of their makeup affected by the new birth is their spirit. Their human spirit, the Bible calls it recreated. It is recreated. It's remade into the likeness and image of God. You literally bear the image of God in your human spirit as a born-again Christian. Then the Bible gives us instruction on how to renew our mind, how to present our body, and how to fight that fight of faith that will last our whole life as we endeavor to grow up spiritually, keep our spirit in preeminence, keep our flesh and mind in check or under or in subjection to the Spirit and the Word of God. Did you get that? Amen. Now that's an effort. That's an everyday effort. And I know there's a thousand excuses for every tick of the clock. But at the, at the end of the day, there's no excuse. You say, why? Because God has given us all the tools that we need. The Spirit that abides, the Spirit that empowers, the five-fold ministry gift, the body of Christ, the Word of God, gifts of the Spirit. There are all kinds of tools that God has given us to keep us, let me, let me just say it like this, to keep us in a spiritual mode. You say, what do you mean by that? I, I've got a, uh, in my prayer room, I've got a, what would you call it, a, a, a single room air conditioner. It's a little unit about that big, and it's about, you know, about as big as a, as a, as a, heater or something like that, and it's got a deal that goes out, vents out, and it's got a button on there that says mode, M-O-D-E, and under the mode, there's three settings. There's cool, there's dry, and there's heat, and I, I didn't think there was any difference in them, so I started checking them out to see if that, see if that wasn't just a, a decal on the, you know, on the deal, but sure enough, when I pushed mode, cool came on. I pushed it again, it went to dry. I pushed it again, it went to heat, so I checked it out. I pushed cool, and cool air came out. And I pushed it again, and dry air came out. And I pushed it again, and warm air came out. So there were three different modes to that air conditioning unit. And whatever I need to create comfort in my prayer room, I pushed that particular mode. Amen? So you've got a flesh mode. You've got an intellect or mind mode. And you've got a spirit mode. And you're the one that pushes the buttons. Amen? You say, what do you mean by that? You're the one who makes a decision what mode you're going to be in. Now, here's the thing. Whatever mode you're going to be in or whatever mode that you're in most of the time is going to dominate your life. So if you're in a flesh mode all the time, you're, you're going to be dominated by your flesh. If you're in, in, a, in an intellectual mode all the time, you're going to be dominated by your intellect. But if you're in a spiritual mode all the time, then you're going to be dominated by your spirit, amen, or most of the time. So you've got to make a decision every time you catch yourself in a flesh mode or a, or a mind mode to push the button and get back in the spiritual mode because that's where your victory is. 
That's where revelation is. Uh, that's where joy is. That's where peace is. That's where all your attitudes don't make any difference. That's where all the negative things of your life don't have any preeminence over you. That's where God has the preeminence over you. Now, understand this. When we were sinners, we were ruled by a particular force called iniquity. Everybody say iniquity. Now, that iniquity was so powerful, it became in tandem with your willpower, it became the trainer of your flesh and of your soul, which is your mind, your emotions, and your will. So that iniquity was kind of, I kind of see iniquity as a, like a, like a, those guys in the circus, you know, the, what do you call them, the circus master, the, the ringmaster. I kind of see it like the ringmaster calling all the shots. You know, it's time for the elephants, time for the lions, time for this, time for that. So he's out there, you know, uh, calling the shots. But in the meantime, you don't, ha you don't realize that there are patterns being set. You know, in your mind, there are, uh, the Bible calls them strongholds. There are things in your, your flesh is trained in such a way. Now, here you go, you get born again. And the Bible tells you that Jesus was wounded for your transgression, bruised for your, uh, for your iniquity, the chastisement of your peace was upon him. By his stripes you're healed. So on the inside, in that spirit mode, there is no longer an iniquity issue. Sinners are sinners because it's their nature. Uh, you can just turn back a couple of chapters if you want to and see in Ephesians chapter 4. It says, we were all by nature children of wrath even as others. So iniquity was our nature. Now you're born again. Righteousness is your nature. But you're stuck with a trained mind and a trained flesh that has been trained by iniquity. Now, sin or trespassing is the result of iniquity. And when you used to be a sinner, you sinned because you're a sinner. Just like a dog barks because he's a dog, a duck quacks because he's a duck, a goose honks because he's a goose, it does not matter. It's just their nature. It was just your nature to sin. Willpower steps in and either accelerates its ability or suppresses it. Amen? You say, what do you mean? Well, there were things you just, some of you chose not to do. But some of us, we just let it run wild. You say, what do you mean by that? We just let it do anything that it wanted to. But we got born again, and then quickly after you're born again, you realize, I got some mind problems. I got some flesh problems. And if I don't take care of these mind problems and these flesh problems, then I'm going to have some real problems in life. But thank God. Everybody say, thank God. Through His eternal mercy and grace given us through the Word of God, He gave us all the power, all the tools, and all of the ability for us to take off the old man, put on the new man, and begin to walk in the light and the power of the Spirit that is on the inside of us instead of obeying the lust of our flesh and the demands of our minds. Now let me just say this. You don't jump into this and just become an expert in three Wednesday night services. But you do have to start sometime. Now let me say that again. You do have to start sometime. And the problem with a lot of Christians that have information like you do is you come to church and you think, well, if I've got problems, I can get prayed for. Well, you, 
That may or may not work for you. Usually it only works for maybe Christians for a little while. But eventually you're going to have to get to the point. I was sharing this with Paul and Charlie the other day. We were talking about some different things. My mother, she was a very spiritual woman, an intercessor, prayer warrior, strong woman of God. But she had earaches that would debilitate her. I mean just debilitate her. And I'm telling you, every preacher that I knew of prayed for her ears. Brother Osteen, Brother Hagen. Uh, one time, uh, who was it, Dad? R.W. Shambach just slapped her upside that whap, knocked her on the ground. She came back and said, he slapped me. <laughs> so, I've been married to me to Lee about I've been married to Lee about two years, and I would go wait over at mom and dad's house for, for Leah to get off work on Friday nights, and we'd go out to eat. And she was laying on the couch, and all oh, her ear was hurting. Her ear was hurt, and she said to me, just this pitiful voice too, Rusty, please come over here and lay your hands on my ears. I'm suffering so much. You know what I said? I said, I ain't going to do it. And I'm telling you, she chewed me up once. She said, how dare you? I prayed for you all these years. Who do you think you are? You're supposed to be a man of God. Where's your love? Where's your compassion? I said, Mom, I'm going to tell you something. I'm not praying for you. You've had Brother Hagen pray for you. You've had John Osteen pray for you. You've had R.W. Shambach slap you upside the head. And no telling who else has prayed for you. I'm not going to do it. About that time Leah put up the driveway, I got up and walked out. So I was gone that weekend, but I was back on Wednesday night. So every once in a while, we'd do a, a testimony service over at Abundant Life. And she got up and testified about what I did. <laughs> but this is what she said. She said, when Rusty did that, I was so mad. She said, I got up off the couch and I went into the bathroom and she said, I looked in the mirror and she said this. She said, I said, devil, get out of my ear in Jesus' name. I've had everybody pray for me, and I'm still as sick as I've ever been in my ear. And I'm telling you, I've had it. In the name of Jesus, get out of my ear. And you know, she got healed right there standing in front of that mirror. Sometimes, if we don't choose to grow up, we are forced to grow up. Amen? And you've got to make a decision. I'm not going to get in a position in life where I'm forced to grow up. I'm going to start growing up right now. Amen? Now, go to Galatians real quick. Go to Galatians. Should just be a just right here. Next next page over me. Galatians chapter five. Galatians chapter five. Look there in verse. Look there in verse thirteen. Let me read a couple of scriptures here. It says, "For brethren, you have you have been called unto liberty." Everybody say liberty. Only, not only, use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. So don't use your liberty as an occasion for your flesh. It's kind of like, you say, what does that mean? It's kind of like diet and reward. You say, man, I went on a diet. And I lost 50 pounds. And then I rewarded myself for three months and gained 100. 
Well, that's giving occasion to the flesh, amen. I mean, that, that, come on, that ain't going to work. Everybody say, that ain't going to work. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, that thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye hate and devour one another, take heed, ye be not consumed one of another. Don't eat each other up. This I say then, now notice this, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now notice this, for the flesh lusteth against the Spirit. Now how many in here would say, uh, Brother Rusty, in my Bible where it says the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, it's a capital S. How many have that in your Bible? That's wrong. That's not right. That is, a, that is a, the way that was translated in the King James because the flesh, our flesh, does not lust. Or another word for that is war or have, uh, what was the other one I read today? War or have a, a, a conflict against the Holy Spirit. Man, the Holy Spirit could snap his fingers and turn your flesh into peanut butter. Amen. You're, 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 you're human your human spirit is what your flesh is warring against. It's in rebellion again. You have to understand that. If you don't understand that, saints, you're going to have a hard time thinking, oh, my, my, my flesh wants to be a Christian. My mind wants to be a Christian. No, it doesn't. Somebody looking at me like I'm crazy. It's true. Your mind does not want to think the thoughts of God. Your flesh does not want. You just, many of you, because you're here on Wednesday night, you know, I mean, if it was Sunday, maybe we could pick on the crowd, but you're here on Wednesday night. Many of you have so conditioned your flesh to coming to church on Wednesday night, to reading your Bible, to praying, to come to prayer, that you really don't recognize the conflict that used to be there or the war that used to be there when your flesh used to lust against your human spirit because you have been serving God. The more you serve God, the more your flesh loses its power in the fight. And the more your spirit gains the ascendancy in the fight. Amen. But you must realize your mind and your flesh till the day Jesus calls us in the clouds or we close the box. Your flesh and your mind are going to war against your spirit. Mom Goodwin, I thought she was one of the, she was our uh, uh, pastor when we were growing up, she's one of the most spiritual people I ever knew. I mean, she counseled men like Brother Hagen, Brother Osteen. And she told Lee and I one time in the counseling says, she said, I'm telling you, I think she was 88 years old. She said, I'm 88 years old, been serving God since I was 18, and I still have problems with my wicked mind. You will. Amen. So your flesh and your mind, they're gonna, listen, it's, it, the problem we have many times is we're so democratically minded not, not, a, not a political party no not you know democrat or republic way of government you say what do you mean voting we're voters we have democrats they vote democratic we have republicans they vote republicans it's the system amen so in your personal system you have three votes you have the spirit voting siding with the word of God siding with the spirit Siding with the will of God for your life. Siding with all those things. But then you got your mind and you got your flesh. And they never vote with the Spirit. So what you do is you let your, oh, what are we going to do? We're going to go to church tonight? Flesh says no. Why is a new, you know, a uh, new Magnum's on TV? And that, I don't know when it comes on, but I saw it the other day. That there's going to be a new Magnum, you know. 
No, 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 no. It's free ice cream at Golden Corral. What are we going to church for? Come on. Amen. And your mind, what does your mind say? What does your mind say? I agree. I can figure out three other reasons why we shouldn't go. And your spirit's over here going, let's go to church. I want to sing. I want to worship God. I want to pray. I want to be in prayer. I want to give the offering. I want to hear the word of God. And the other day said, no, can't do it because we've had a vote. It's two to one every time. So what you have to do is you have to rise up and throw out the democracy of your life and put your spirit in charge as a dictator. We don't like dictators. Yes, we do. Your spirit man needs to become the dictator of your life. Where whatever the word, what are we going to do now? What, what's the word say? Forsake not the assembly of the What does the word say? Given it shall be. What does the word say? Make a joyful noise of the. We're going to do what the word says. Amen. Now, with that in mind, look, look at this. I'm going to give you four quick points because we're going to weave in and out of these points for the next few weeks. Putting your spirit man in charge of your life begins, number one, with meditation. Now, meditation includes the reading, the studying, and the turning over and over and over of the Word of God in your mind, muttering it and confessing it. Amen? You have to be a, a allow the Word of God. It's kind of like if you go out in the sun, especially here in in, in, in Galveston, July. If you go out in the sun, no sunscreen, you know, very little clothes on, it won't be long till everybody around you can see that the sun has affected you. Because the sun that's shining on you will be the sun that's now burning your skin. You know what I'm saying? You will, you will be, you, for lack of a better word, there will, you, your skin will come to a saturation point and your cells will literally begin to change. You can burn, you can tan, you can do whatever, you know. So you must understand the Word of God needs access into your mind and into your, listen, when you make your flesh sit down and you make your mind read your chapter every day. Hmm, should I say that? Oh, Lord. I don't want to start no fights. I can't remember the guy's name. It was back in the 50s. He was a baseball pitcher, and he threw a, a, a no-hitter in the, in the, in the uh, World Series. It was a great game. Threw a no-hitter. I, I, I think he struck, uh, didn't strike out, but there were just, you know, uh, 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 three batters of the first, second, third, fourth, all the way through the ninth inning, all three out every time. Is that a perfect game or a? Anyway, it was a great game. So, in, in, in interviewing this guy's coach, they said some things about the game. Then they asked him this. This man, obviously, is going to have a stellar career. You know what his coach said? His coach said, no, he won't. And the commentator said, why? And the coach said, he has no discipline. And that was the only time you ever heard of him was when he pitched that one game in the World Series in the 50s. 
I'll figure out his name. I, I heard it on a sports deal the other day. It kind of impressed me when the, when the coach said, I mean, your own coach says that about you. He has no discipline. Everything we structure around here is designed to help you with your spiritual discipline. Your chapter every day. Prayer on Saturday night. Prayer on Sunday night. Services on, on, on Wednesday and on Sunday. Uh, our DAP class. All of that is designed. Sunday school class. All of it is designed to give you an opportunity for spiritual discipline. Because if you can't discipline yourself spiritually, then your flesh or your mind will discipline you. And if your flesh or mind disciplines you, it's going to discipline you along the lines of your appetites. I don't want to get into that. You say, what do you mean? That's how people end up addicted. That's how people end up in problems in their marriage. That's how people end up with problems with their health. That's how people end up in all these problems is because if there's no discipline in your spirit and you don't even notice it as discipline, but what it is, it's a repetition of destruction that your flesh and mind initiate in your life that end up down the road causing you to self-inflict a problem upon yourself. So God gives us every opportunity to what? To discipline ourselves. Lee and I, we've, we've, we've taken as we've pastored. We didn't do this much when I was in the field because I was traveling uh, for the first part of a few years uh, as we were married. She was uh, running her own business. Then she came on, uh, on staff as the administrator of our field ministry, and we didn't have a lot of time together for discipline. But since we've been pastoring, we've been learning to pray together. We've been learning to study together. Then it's really not about our marriage. It's about discipline. It's about allowing our spirits to dominate our minds and our flesh, and it begins with meditation on the Word of God. Second, everybody say number two. You've got to practice the Word. You've got to put into practice that which you meditate on, that which you read, that which you study, that which causes faith to come, You've got to put it into practice. Because you know, an, an athlete that goes to practice every day and disciplines himself, then he will be put in the game. He will have an opportunity to put into activity that which he's been practicing. You take the most, listen, you take the most talented player on the baseball team, the football team, the basketball team, but he doesn't come to practice every day. No matter how talented he is, the coach still ain't going to let him play. Amen? So what God is trying to do is to trying to get you. Well, what is it? The scripture reference I put here. Joshua 1.8. Don't let the word, don't let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate therein day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then you make your way prosperous and you have good success. Amen. So you, so you, so you, Meditate on the Word, then you practice the Word. You become what James calls a doer of the Word of God. Now, if you can do these two, you can do number three. Everybody say number three. You can put the Word first in every area of your life. In every endeavor, in every area, I mean, you, you, just, you just put the Word first. You just put the Word. And listen, if you get around, that's why you need to be around people that put the Word first. Because if you're around people that put the word first in their life, then I guarantee you, you will have the same reaction. We were we were on a uh, 
We were on a uh, hunting trip the other day. I think Daniel was with us and uh, Ben was with us. And uh, Paul, we took Paul, Paul Chase. And the guide has been around me for several years. So what he does, and he does this every hunt, and he this guy doesn't go to church, read his Bible, do any of that kind of stuff. He's just been around me. So what he does before every hunt is he says this. If I'm there, if I'm not there, then he does it. He told me this. He said, I'll do it for every hunt. He said, am I right? Lead us in a word of prayer. Where did he get that from? He got it from me. I said he got it from me. Where, how did he get it from me? He got it through my discipline, my meditation upon the Word of God, my practicing the Word, and me putting the Word first in my life. That's why when you're around people that are not like that, it makes it harder for you to do. That's why you need to be around people of like precious faith that their activity and what they do gets off on you. You see the result of it in their lives. You see the benefit of it in their life. And literally, literally their life encourages you to do it. That's where I got it from being around people that that's what they were doing. And I surround myself with people like that. I'll go over to the Philippines and Preach for Pastor Paul. He comes here. We always pray together. Pastor Mark and I, we always pray together. Pastor Sam and I, we, we, we go on hunting trips together. We always pray together. Part of our discipline, meditation, amen, practicing the Word, putting the Word first. Are you with me? Now notice this. This is, this is the conclusion of it. And we'll look at some other scripture here in just a minute. If you can meditate, practice the Word, Put the word first. Notice that all involves the word. It all, and you've got the word. And you're taught the word. And you have the word. And you're taught the word. And you have the word. And you're taught the word. And you have the word. If you can do that, then you can learn to obey the voice of the Spirit. You say, now, what difference does that make? That is where your success is. That is where you succeed financially, succeed in your health, succeed in your marriage, succeed with your children, succeed in every endeavor of life is when you've meditated upon the Word, you've practiced the Word, you put the Word first, now the Spirit can speak to you how? The way it's supposed to, in line with the Word, which does what? Does anybody know? It makes your joy full. Ain't nothing else on this world going to make your joy full. People say, well, if I could marry the right man or marry the right woman, that's going to make my joy. No, it's not going to do it. If I can have a lot of money, that's not going to do it. There's people that have got a lot of money, their joy is not full. Well, if I could be successful, successful in this or successful in that or if somebody could recognize or give me accolades. No, no, no. The only thing that's going to make your joy full is when God comes and imparts something unto your heart and your spirit that has come out of your discipline of meditating upon the Word, practicing the Word, putting the Word first, hearing His voice, you going out and obeying that and it producing something in your life. That will make your joy full. I mean, it helps you realize I'm cooperating with God. Now, where was I here? Let me read a couple more scriptures. It's getting late. I'll close. It says, let me find it here. For the flesh, what verse is that? 17? For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and that should be a small s also. And the spirit against the flesh, that should be a small s also, human spirit. And these are 
contrary the one to another so that you cannot do the things that you should. But if, now notice the word if. Every time we teach the word, what do we say about if? Choice. Everybody say choice. There's your choice right here. But if, what's that word next to it? Ye, there it is. My ink went through it. If ye be led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Now notice. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, and lasciviousness. The first four have to do with sexual sin. So what God is telling us, if you let your flesh take over, one of the first things it's going to take over is your ability to regulate the appetite of sexuality. Got quiet in here now. You say, why? Well, we have appetites in our flesh that in all reality must be fed. Amen. People say, well, you know, I'm not married. What do I do? You possess your vessel in righteousness. How do you do that? By faith. The Word of God empowers you to do it. And if I could do it, after 13 years of insanity, I don't want to get into that. Take it for what it is. You can do it. Amen. How to get a better amen than that. These one, two, three, four things literally make up the adversary's number one trap for Christians in their lives. I mean, I, I, the other day we were watching the news and some people up in Houston are fighting a sex robot brothel. I feel sorry for that poor robot. What kind of devils will take over people? Is that what we've got? And so uh, it, was, it was while pastors Paul and Shadi were here, and they said, oh, that's all over the Philippines. That's all over Japan. That's all over Thailand. Says you can, there's one on every corner over there. So that technology has been around for years. It's just now getting over here to the United States. I thought to myself, man. I mean, that's, that's, that's crazy. Then you have the appetites of, of food, of, of eating, the appetites of sleep, all these other things. And they get out of kilter. They get out of order. They get all messed up. It's because your flesh lusteth against the Spirit. So you've got to guard yourself. Everybody say, guard myself. Then it says this, idolatry. Notice this next one, witchcraft. I actually heard somebody teach one time that witchcraft was a spiritual sin. That's not what the Bible says. It is a work of the flesh. And really what witchcraft is, is manipulation. The three tenets of the occult. Does anybody know what they are? Manipulation, intimidation, control. Manipulation and intimidation, intimidation for the purpose of control. So you get around people trying to intimidate you, trying to manipulate you, trying to control you. That's witchcraft. I won't teach on that. I'm just trying to help you with it. Amen. Hatred. Variance. 
emulations, wrath, strife, selfishness, heresies, envyings, murders, oh my goodness, drunkenness, reveries, the reveries, the uh, uh, Amplified says party spirit. Everybody say party spirit. So all of these things right here make up the works of our flesh. We just described most of humanity in which we live. Amen. I mean, what if we could just reach in right now into our government system and all of the politics and politicians that are there and just pull out one thing, just pull out the strife. <laughs> you wouldn't have politics anymore. Come on, church. So it's obvious that God wants His church free from the control of these things. Because these things step in to your flesh, into your mind, and try to what? And try to control you. And if you're controlled by any of that, then you need deliverance. Now, I don't mean some kind of kinky deliverance where you come up and throw something up in a bag. Let me help you with that. That never worked. That never worked. You don't need to go to some meeting where you roll up in a bar, get in a fetal position. I was in Ireland one time, and some poor lady came up in the, in the she had been in a meeting the night before. Thank God she came to our meeting. And she had been in a meeting the night before where they did a regression ministry. Don't ever go to some regression ministry. It's where you regress back to the fetal state. You end up on the floor under the anointing in a fetal position. I don't know whose anointing it was. And you go back and relive your birth, your first birth. Because the doctor either grabbed your leg wrong or your mama looked at you wrong or something started right there at birth and messed up your life. So we're going to go back and we're going to fix that as you get born. Has anybody ever heard of that? Thank God you haven't. So she comes to my meeting the next night and she's weeping and she's crying and she says, uh, brother, brother Rusty, I was at a meeting last night and I rode up in a fetal position on the floor. She's speaking with that Irish brogue. And she said, and they told me I have secret sin I know nothing about. Secret sin I know nothing about. And I, what do you, now what do you say? What do you say to somebody like that? What do you say? It has to be the Holy Ghost. So I, in my great wisdom and anointing of that evening, I came up with a great illustration and a point of ministry. You know what I said? I said this. If I hit you in the head with a hammer, would it hurt? She said, yeah, it would hurt. I said, would you know it? She said, I would know it. I said, how would you know? It's an easy question. Wasn't a trick question. How would you know it? She thought for a minute. She said, well, cause it hurt. I said, if you sinned against your God and your Savior and your Lord, would you know it? And you could just see the light come on in her eyes. And she said, yes, I would. I said, how would you know it? She says, cause it would hurt. And I said, you don't have any secret sin you know nothing about. 
And I'm telling you, she got relieved and delivered and revived and refreshed and restored standing right there. You say, what do you mean by that? There is an element of common sense to the Word of God. And with that element of common sense, we understand your flesh and your mind are your enemies and they war against your spirit. And you have to make a decision to do something to put them on the defensive and keep your spirit on the offensive, to put them in subordination and in submission to your human spirit. Because your human spirit is where God communicates to you. That's where the life of God is. That's where the glory of God is. That's where the blessing of God is. And God knows if you can learn to live by... He doesn't expect you to do it 24-7. He knows nobody can. But He expects you to apply enough of it to your life where you're not trained again by the iniquity of your flesh and mind and caused to fall back into sin that used to dominate your life. That's why so many Christians today, they just, they're just done. They're just done. I've actually had them in my office, and so they use that very phrase. I'm done. I can't do this no more. I cannot not do drugs. I cannot not drink alcohol. I cannot not be involved in illicit sex or sexual life. I cannot, and they give up. I'm done. I'm done. And it just breaks my heart. Because what they're saying is, I'm, not, I'm, not, I, I'm out of the fight. I'm out of the game. I'm out. And I'm yielding to my baser nature, my flesh, my mind. And you know what the end result is? Death. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now let me, say, let me do this. This is my last phrase. You can do it. You have the time, you have the ability, you have the knowledge, and you can do it. And it all is involved in your choice. Whether you choose to do it is up to you. But the Bible says, now this is what's so cool, draw nigh unto me, and I'll draw nigh unto you. So if you say, I'm going to do it, and you take a step toward God, you know what he does? He takes a step towards you. And you take another step toward God, He takes another step toward you. You take another step, He takes it. The next thing you know, you're so tight, you're so close with God, your mind and your flesh can't can any longer produce these works in your life that inhibit your spirit from dominating you and you obeying the voice of God and all that He tells you to do. Amen? Hallelujah. Lift up your hands. Father, we worship You tonight. Lord, let the words and the revelation of your word make an impression upon our spirit man tonight let us grow up in the things of God let our spirit man on the inside that's where our prosperity is that's where our healing is that's where our righteousness is our joy is, our peace is all that God has provided through redemption deposited in our spirit Sotos of God, the salvation of God, healing, preservation, soundness, safety, and deliverance abides in us. We thank you. The Word reveals it. The Spirit manifests it. Faith produces it. Grace supplies it. And righteousness rejoices in it. We thank you for it, Father. Lord, as we leave tonight, we declare over all of Island Church 
your protection, your safety. Claiming Psalms 91, no evil befalls us, no plague comes in our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. Thank you, Heavenly Father, whether we travel on the highways, airways, seaways, railways, or any righteous labor of our hands, we find protection, safety, security, safe harbor in you. Thank you, Father, for that great door of utterance. Let our testimony continue to go out strong, not only through proclamation, but also through demonstration. Give each and every one of us a fire of evangelism, a compassion for the hurting, the sick, the lost, the unloved. Father, we leave tonight walking in faith and love towards you. We walk in love toward one another. Thank you for our church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood. Empowered by the Word, anointed by the God. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.